0: Please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Luke Winchester, thanks for taking the time out to join me on the podcast, mate.
1: Thanks, Alan. Yeah, cheers, mate.
0: A lot of people know you um, on Twitter. People follow you on Strawman. Um, and people now are getting to know you and or, or already do know you from Oracle Investment Management, where you're the portfolio manager of the Merging, merging Company Strategy uh-huh. and Fund. Um, so there's there's people out there and people listening to this that have experience with you and some of your work. And I'd encourage them to go check, it, check you out, whether that be at Oracle or even on Strawman. I'll provide both links in the show notes. But we're going to talk about small caps. We're going to talk about a bit about you. We're going to talk about how you get an edge in small cap investing, why you like it, the difference between managing money personally and professionally. And then we're just going to settle up, settle in with some, um, I guess, some sage advice on the end. But why don't we just kick things off? As you know, mate, one of the things I like to do is just like to find out about how you got started in investing, kind of where that journey began.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, my start to to the industry is probably a little bit different to to most who come on the podcast. I've got I've got no formal background uh, in, in finance or commerce. Um, no no family history of investing. I'm, as far as I know, I'm the first person in the family to own shares outside of super. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, originally I, I studied uh, business at, at university um, and found my way into industrial relations, actually, at the time, um, travelled around a bit to, to, to Port Macquarie and Melbourne for, for work in that space. Um, and then my journey into shares actually started in a, in a, in a way, I guess, a, a lot of listeners may relate to, and that was uh, I watched my friends make money. Um, <laughs> back in the day, uh, you know, around 2011, 2012, we're in the mining boom. Um, and a few of my mates were you know, making money and, and and paying for holidays on the back of um, gold stocks and, and and who knows what else. So, you know, it was that that classic um, greed and envy that that sort of got me started into shares. I, I didn't realise that you know that sort of money could be made and, and and seeing mates pay for holidays and 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 who knows what else on on the back of um, tips off hot copper and things like that. So, that was my introduction to shares. Um and 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 so you Know the first shares I ever bought. Um, I, I do know the names of them. It was um Axiom Mining, um, the ticket mm-hmm. was AVQ for that. I went back and had a look, it's been suspended for many years now. <laughs> um, and the other one was Avanco Resources, which in the end got bought out by Oz Minerals, but but it was a um, it was a, it was a wild journey on that ride, and I was, I was exited well before that, but. Um, yes, Axiom Minerals was a was a was a tip from a mate. Um, I'm pretty sure Avanco was the the most commented stock on hot copper at the time, which is how <laughs> how I got involved in that. Um, and so that was my that was my introduction to to stocks it was it was you know very similar to what you see today with with reddit and wall street bets it was just obviously the it was the mining boom at the time so it was you know social media it was mining stocks it was it was pumps and dumps and and I was in the thick of it now you know i look back at that time and 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 i can only consider myself lucky that you know, I, I started back then with $1,000 in a Comsec account and, and, you know, the minimum $500 parcel in those two stocks. Um, so I learned my lesson very quickly, um, and very early on. Like, a, you know, they, I very quickly lost money in, in both of those stocks. Um, but I, you know, even through that experience of losing the money, I quickly found that I enjoyed the... The idea of owning shares um, I, I think even back then I understood intuitively you know you were owning shares of a business um, I was just too naive and 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 green I guess to to realize what sort of businesses I should be owning um, but I stuck to it and and so um, you know like I said no no formal education or training I was I was I was so new to it all Um, and I found myself on hot copper, um, and I, and I found myself, you know, searching around and I found a handful of users who I I would follow their posts and follow the stocks they were following. Um, and they were doing well, they were making money. And, and so I, I, you know, tried to, to jump onto the back of that and, and more than just follow their stocks, you know, understand what they were seeing, read their posts, um, and one of those posters went by the nickname of Stweave, um who I now know Stweave, um quite well personally. Um, and, and he was um, influential in starting a Facebook group. Um, so I found my way to this Facebook group. And and I think that's where I suddenly, it opened up a new world of, hold on, there's a lot more to shares than just specy mining companies. There's a, there's a lot of good businesses, a lot of good small caps, um, and some of the people, you, you know, putting research on that Facebook page back then, um, you know, th- these were still some of the smartest investors I've ever come across. They were just private investors, um, but they they were unbelievable. And so, um, you know, I, I threw myself into that, and it was it was reading these posts, reaching out to these people, you know, um, becoming friends with them on Facebook, talking to them, and starting to build up this network of people. Um, and at the time, I probably didn 't realize the importance of that but but sitting back now um, playing in the in, in the small cap space on the asx it 's so important to have that network of people um, because you don 't have broker research you don 't have industry coverage um, you know it 's sometimes very difficult to to get in touch with these management teams the same way that you would with larger management teams who are hosting. You know um, webinars and things like that after all their reports um, and so it's important to build out that network around you and always be talking to people and 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 finding new ideas bouncing ideas off people um, so I found myself doing that almost by accident um, and after a while I thought okay i'm getting I'm getting confident here um, I'll I'll try posting one myself. And so I actually remember the first post I ever did to this Facebook page. It was for a company called Cenitas Corporation. They're still listed, mm. SEN is the ticker. Um, and, you know, I remember e- even back then without knowing as much as I know now about research and, 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 and the stocks, I, I sort of saw the opportunity even even back then um I tried to find the post I actually couldn't find it unfortunately I would have loved to go back and read it again um but it was you know a few hundred words and it was what the business did why I liked it it was just that classic that classic thesis it's it's you know essentially the same thing I'm sort of doing on straw man today which you touched on earlier um but from that a few people reached out to me and sort of said look I own Senitas I like it too um and then You know, a few weeks or or months later, I think they reported quite well and the the stock shot up and um, I I started to see the value in, okay, well, if I'm putting things out there and and having it critiqued and and engaging in these conversations, um, you know, I'm seeing the benefits of, of being able to filter down to better businesses invest in those better businesses and, and, and hopefully make money. So it was good, you know, the same way I had the negative feedback from that start originally in, in, in the specy mining companies, it was good to get the positive feedback of, okay, well, when I put in the work and and I, and I do the proper research and, and have conviction in myself, it was good to see that play out on the positive side. Um, and, yeah, from there, like I said, I just I slowly built out the network. Um one of the i then started to try and post research sort of wherever i could so so i was on i was on hot copper for a while um, i've actually been ban- banned on hot copper so i've been there for, for a few years now um that's no great no great loss to me um but i remember i was posting on a website called called share idea which it only ran for a, a couple of years it was run by hmm. a bloke called alex um I can't remember his last name sorry um, alex Hughes alex Hughes that's right alex Hughes so alex Alex started that website and ran it for a few years um and I posted a a um an idea on there for for rectifier technologies r f t and very similar like you, you know through through good fortune good luck or, or or good work I'm not sure the you know how how you would weight those three things um it did well and so again it sort of you know was a, a sort of again just getting my my name out there and um you know, having people sort of recognise not just me, but the work I was I was doing and and putting it out there, um, and yeah, mm-hmm. so that just snowballed into a few other things, and it's probably culminated now with with I, I find myself mostly on on Twitter and Strawman, but it's that same it's that same idea. The concept hasn't changed. It's it's you know I, I do my work and 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 I don't put it out in in the public domain for you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to pump and dump my stocks. Um, I put it out in the public domain to be critiqued. Um, You know, I still, I I still talk to people. um, And if, if I find out, you know, they've spoken to a management team of a business I own, or they've looked at it, I want their honest opinion. You know, what did you think? What do you think I've missed? What did you like about it? What didn't you like? Um, Because, you know, no matter how much work you put in, someone can always bring a a new perspective or maybe they've just asked a question in a different way to management to get a um, a new answer or or something like that. So it's always just about, um, you know, really trying to get as much information as I can about the businesses I own or I want to own. um, And that's positive or negative. So, yeah, that's where the the path has sort of led me to now um, on the, on the, Personal side of things, um, but yeah, I was then able to sort of um, move that into into a professional career as well.
0: Hmm. So did that come about as a result of you know people seeing you post online, or how did that come to be, or did you just apply like a standard you know application? Yeah. No, it was
1: just it was just a standard application. I actually missed it. I was um, I was I was working in industrial relations, um, hmm. but by then I'd been personally investing for uh probably three or four years um and do and and doing quite well um and one of my mates just sent me a a ccat on on a friday afternoon and he said oh look it's actually closed i actually missed the the cutoff date (laughs) um he said did you see this I, i said no and it was a um you know entry-level position here at here at Oracle uh, at the time we were named Farnham we, we had a name change but um mm. uh yeah it was an entry-level position and I thought well you know at that time I was in industrial relations and, and I enjoyed the work I really did it was um you know it was it was um, very interesting and, and and varied stuff um but you know even then, I could tell that I wanted to to move into into shares, and and not so much from the professional view of of you know trying to make money out of it, but it would just open up more opportunities for me in the sense of um, you know access to people, access to resources, um, access mm. to I guess I was I was still very green. I, I didn't really know how institutionals approached shares from the sense of modeling shares reports committees things like that um, so I was, I was also interested in that side of things um, anyway so i just applied for the job and, and and yeah i submitted i think i submitted my um the share idea article i wrote on on rectifier technologies um and and i may have i may have submitted another one i think i did two it escapes me what other stock i may have submitted but it was just my you know a few hundred word write-ups and yeah, I was lucky enough to to get invited in for, you know, a bit more of a chat um, about what I was doing. And, you know, part of that chat was, look, this is entry level, you know, I'd, I'd sort of worked my way up in, in the industrial relations space. Um, and it was sort of, you know, do you understand that you're taking a real backseat? And, and I did. And so jumped at the opportunity. And, and, and yeah, look, those first couple of years, it was it was it was actually quite good for me because I was I was you know, despite being older, I was 28, 29 at the time, um, you know, just, you know, not not a graduate fresh out of uni. Um, I didn't have any of that background. Like I, I said to you earlier, I didn't have a commerce or finance background. Mm. It was also new. And so having that entry-level start, it, it sounds basic, but I was learning about, you know, literally um, how to place trades, um, settlements, you know, some back office stuff. Um, building really simple models, um, you know, sitting on committees and and just, I was, I was the person that took the minutes, but, but, um, you know, just getting exposure to that institutional way of thinking, um, it was, it was really valuable at the time. Um, And I just slowly over time, this was always the plan for the role was to slowly just, you know, ease into the analytical side of things. Um, And so I, I did that as well. And, um i i actually remember my my start here at oracle unfortunately wasn't as successful as my um you know starts with cenitas and, and rectifier technologies because i think the first stock i pitched was bellamy's um and and, and this wasn't bellamy's when bellamy's was a dollar <laughs> this was bellamy's I, I think it was about 13 14 dollars um and then they you know, a few months later, had had some issues around their inventory, stock, and things like that, and um, very nearly went under. I think uh, sort mm. of gets lost now um, that they managed to get out of it, but um, I think they were a lot closer to to bankruptcy to, to what the market or what people probably um, realize. But that was also a lesson in itself. I mean, you know, the same way I lost money on those mining stocks early in the day, it was a it was a good lesson in. Uh, for me, at the time, I probably got a little bit lost in trying to stick to a, a an investment philosophy that I was new to. So um, at Oracle, like at most places, you know we have our checklist of what we look for for stocks. And so I was trying to 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 put the the you know round peg in the square hole of I was only looking for businesses that ticked every box on that list because I, I didn't want to come to the committee with, you know, well, you know, it doesn't meet our debt filters or it doesn't meet our return on equity or our growth filters or, or whatever it may be. You know, I wanted that investment that ticked every box and and did all that. And so on its face value, Bellamy's did that. Um, but I think what I, what I sort of missed was... That, that next level next level of analysis on the um, on the qualitative side rather than just the numbers about you know what were those forces impacting on the business um, you know and, and and it was there if you wanted to do the work and and and, and that was the the, the real thing I, I took out of that but um, yeah look I, I, I you know obviously stuck with it um, And I was uh, an analyst for a while, just floating across. We run a few different portfolios. I was just floating analyst across a a few different things. Um, But about a year ago, um, yeah, as you sort of introduced me at the start, I was appointed to to portfolio manager of our emerging companies, which is our small mid-cap portfolio. Um, And I've been running that um, for just under a year. I think it was it was pretty much COVID was my uh, you know, um feet to the fire when I when I first took over I was very familiar with the portfolio, but um officially taking over was was in that peak of COVID.
0: Mm. It's a fascinating story. I'm I'm reminded of something um just from your your learnings uh through social media and the like uh One of our analysts said to me recently that he learned more following people on Twitter than he did in his master's degree. Uh, It seems to be um, a recurring theme. If you find good people to follow, you can kind of just soak up uh, the wisdom from them. So one of the the things that uh, we talked about just off air briefly before we hit record was this difference between um, the Luke, the private investor, and Luke as a professional investor. This is something we don't often talk about too much on the show. you said, you know, nine to five, it's Oracle. And then you do a little bit, you know, when you can for your own stuff online, do you, what's, what's a typical day look like for you now? And I guess what's the contrast between like the way you invest personally and professionally?
1: Yeah. um, There's, there's not too much of a contrast in, in what we're looking for. I mean, um, you know, from from a philosophy point of view, you know, uh, my, my, Personal philosophies align a hundred percent with Oracle. It, it's just the space you know um, that, that mm. we tend to play in. But you know, to, to sort of rewind and, and, and answer your question, um, I've got a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old, so my, my day typically typically starts whenever <laughs> they want it to start. Um, and and so you know, in between making breakfast and getting everyone sorted, I'm, I'm trying to sort of just check my phone and. You know, get a feel for how the U.S. markets were last night. Nothing too specific, just you know, um, any any major news um, because it, you know it's it's going to impact me in some way. Um, how the U.S. performed, um, but yeah, look. Once I'm at work, um, I, I am on Twitter, and 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 to go back to that point you made, I mean if if there's someone out there who doesn't have a well-curated Twitter timeline, you are, you know, you're, you're behind the eight ball. It's, to me, it, it's turned into my most important source of, maybe not financial information, but certainly financial analysis. Um, And Hmm. you you have to curate it yourself. You have to find the people. Um, I I think I've got about 180 people that I follow, which I I find is a good number to sort of keep up with. Um, But... The people you can find, and and sometimes they're professionals, they're fund managers. Other times they're just private investors. But as I alluded to before, there's, there's private investors out there who I would put them up there with any of the fund managers I've come across. They they are geniuses. Um, they just don't want to manage public money because mm. one, they don't have to, and and, and two, they don't want to. <laughs> um, yep. But but they are they are geniuses, and and you know they often just put their thoughts out there to the public. Um, But more than that, you know, reach out to people. Uh, I know for me personally, um, if somebody sends me a a Twitter message or or a DM, I I reply like, you know, I I want to engage with people because uh, particularly in the investment space, in the small caps, you need to, you you need to engage with people because it's your best resource. Um, You can't, Mm. you know, if your universe is, is two or 300 stocks, you can't be across them all at one time, but you can develop a network of people who you trust Um, and, and not to say you blindly follow these people into investments, but um, you know, if they have a good idea, you're having a look at it. If they, if they bring up a red flag for something you own, you're, you're digging into it. So um twitter is 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 big for me i i I almost have the i have it up in my chrome browser i think all day at work you know it it might close sometimes but but essentially it's always open because um when when either it's breaking news or just or just keeping a track of that analysis um it's always there first um so, so twitter is big Um, And then the other thing I do is is, um, I I literally read most announcements that get released on the ASX. Um, Outside of reporting season, that's not too difficult to do. There might be, you know, 50 or so um, a day. Um, I I, I don't really um, dip into mining stocks or biotechs and and, and neither does Oracle. So, um, you know, putting them to the side, it, it really reduces that universe as well. Um, but even during reporting season, um, look—you've just got to do the work. Um, I say that. I say that to people. Um, um, so, as an example, quarterly reporting season, I open up every four C of a, of a business that's not a a, a mining business or, or biotech, and you quickly learn which tickers are which. Um, you know, over time. Um, do you, look Do, you, Luke, do you, how
0: do you keep track of things? So, you know, once you read them, do you have you know a database or some type of um, note-taking system where you kind of collect your thoughts.
1: Yeah, yep, yep. So I keep a I, I keep a, a watch list in. Um, we use Iris here at Oracle, so I've got my Iris um, watch list set up, but I've got a spreadsheet as well with um, you know little notes that I keep. Um, so the watch list has oh, I haven't probably counted for a while, maybe ninety to hundred stocks on it. Um, right, and that's just things that and, and literally, so so you know that process will be um, like I said, I'll I'll, I'll open up. Literally every single quarterly report, that's, that's not a mining or, or biotech. Um, and, you know, I'll just have some, some key things I look for. So um, cash flow positive is, is a big one, uh, if not close to it, um, growing receipts. Um, that's probably the start there. And if I like what I see there, I might move to some commentary. If I like what I see there, I might go back and look at some older reports, some investor presentations um, and annual reports. And you know again, if if it continues to look really interesting, I'll, I'll throw it on my watch list um, mm. and then at some point I'll try and delve a bit deeper into it when I find time or or, or just you know as um, maybe as, as, as new announcements come out or the, or the next round of reporting season it's now on my radar but but yeah no, I, I think it's important to build up your knowledge of of the universe you want to play in, um, and look, just because I don't invest in mining stocks, I, I'm not saying you can't make money there. I, I know a lot of people that do. Um, you just got to know your, your your circle of competence. You know, it's the, the classic, you know, the classic mm. sort of um, um, saying. Um, but once you do, you know, um, you can you can filter down the universe that you want to play in. Um, and so and so, I do that. Um, and and like I said, I, I've been doing this now for. Uh, seven seven eight years over time like you you very quickly learn the tickers and the names of all the stocks that sort of you have an interest in and it doesn't take long i mean it sounds like a long task but you know um it's it's you can sort of keep up with the day um each day as they report during quarterly reporting season or half half year reporting season full year reporting season um and yeah, look, I, I think it's a very important thing to do to build out that that watch list and that knowledge, and it and it comes over time. It it, it probably is a bit daunting if you're if you're starting fresh, um, but it does. It certainly does build over time, and, and I think people would be surprised at how quickly that knowledge builds, particularly if you're supplementing it with other people, whether that be Twitter strawman or or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, but but look, I, I mean, f- from there. Um, you know, the process is um, very typical of, of, I guess, any any other guests you've probably had on here. Um, you know, you're going back, reading reports, getting a handle around the business. Um, I, I do like to speak to management. Um, you know, some people don't avoid that, but it's not a, a necessary thing for them. I, I do try to speak to management. Um, the one thing I'll always do is... I will do the work before I speak to management. I found that um, one of the major pitfalls people can fall into is if you haven't done the work into a stock before you speak to the management team, um, you're very susceptible to the narrative that they want to spin about their business. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I don't want that to come off in a negative connotation. Although there are some managers who, who probably should that you know that should apply to them, um, but 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 keep in mind you know these management teams, even if there's nothing untoward, it's it's their businesses, it's their livelihoods. They want to be positive about the business and its outlook. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever spoken to a manager who said to me, "Yeah, you know." this is an average business that's going nowhere if it was they wouldn't work there so inherently that they're going to be positive they're going to be um you know they're going to tell you all the great things about their business and if you haven't done the work into that stock to be able to drill down to the potential negatives or to keep your feet grounded from being you know lifted up from from the positive spin that they want to put on it um you're going to find yourself caught caught up in that um and it's, it's, it's crazy because I've, I've had it done myself. Uh, I know from experience, um, the, 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 the big one that got me, you know, I'll, I'll give you the example. The, the the big one that got me personally years ago was um, a stock called um, MSL Solutions. Uh, the ticker was, was MPW. Um, and that was one I, I just, you know, hands up, I just didn't put enough work into it. I, um, you know, I listened to manage, management present. I, I read the investor presentations. Um, and, and to be honest, I was, I was very lucky that, that one of my colleagues here at Oracle was, was almost the rational voice that I needed to hear, um, who, who kept pointing out to me every quarterly report you know mate the cash isn't coming in <laughs> you know yeah. the, the the you know the ARR is being touted and and the, and the revenue and the customers you know it all, it all sounds good because you said there's no cash and it, yeah. it took a while for it to click with me um because I was blinded by by you know the story that was spun and I was I was calling management and, and you know being told oh this you know yep all this looks good and and we're about to win this and do that and and whatnot but um yeah, I was I was quite lucky to get out of that before suffering anything too material, and I, I've sort of kept half an eye on the stock. I think the management team from back then has actually actually departed, and there's a new management team in there. But it's it's a very important um, a very important thing that I, I don't think gets discussed a lot. I, I think when people talk about talking to management teams, um, I, I don't really hear that sort of point really being discussed, and I think I think it is really important. Um, mm. Because you can you can you can really get that bias without even realizing it, and I think that's what's dangerous is, is you don't realize the bias that's been put, you know, into the back of your subconscious. Um, and the only way I think you can really manage that is to is to go into those meetings with a, you know, maybe not an in depth, you know, super in depth knowledge of the business, but at least you know, um, at least a, a, a knowledge of the potential negatives or, or or some or some questions that can sort of get direct management into that when you speak to them
0: I've, I have found there are kind of two types of people that interview management and one would be the more abrasive type that asks really hard questions and wants to kind of grill them on points and then there's the one that um, is a bit more flexible and kind of chummy with them but in their own mind makes makes up their own mind if in their own time if you like and I, I'm definitely not one to be too abrasive with management and not to really grill them on things, but I, I just try and lure them into, <laughs> it sounds quite bad now that I say it on a podcast, but I kind of lure them into to saying things which they think I want, I want to hear um, and that kind of reveals who they are. And I think we've had Matt Joss on the program before and he said something similar. Is there anything that you ask management in particular or can you, bring, can you think of any examples where you've had to use your own kind of persuasive
1: um, interviewing skills to to get to the truth? Um, there's probably not, you know, one or, or two specific questions that I, I ask to, to each management team. It is it is very much depends on the business and, and the management team themselves. Um, you know, I think it's it's a very good point. I, I actually agree with you that, that you generally fall into one of those two camps of you're the, uh, you know, I'm going to stand away from you, I've got my list of questions, you have to answer them, and then there's the people who are much more, you know, let's... Have this conversation and build up a relationship. and um, it can often depend on the managers to which is the best yeah. approach to sort of get the information you want. I mean look, one of uh, well sorry, there is one question I, I do tend to ask um, in in every conversation I have and and that's something along the lines of uh, you know, from my point of view as the investor outside looking in, um, what's what's something I can do to track the business or track your performance? Like what's, um, you know, what's a benchmark that you're measuring yourself to? And, and sometimes mm. that's as simple as, you know, we're chasing revenue growth. Like that's the phase of the business that we're in. Um, so, you know, we, we're, we're measuring ourselves by our revenue growth. Um, but the best answers are the ones where it's often something more strategic. Um, you know, it may be a smaller segment of the business that's growing and they're saying, look, you know, um, we've got our core business doing well, but, but this is, you know, if this um, side business or, or new venture that we're getting into, um, we're really excited about this and, and, and this is what we want to see grow over the next few years, then that's something that you can look at when the reports come out, um, you know, while, while other people may be focused on the, the numbers being driven by a core business Um, you know you may have an insight well actually management's really excited about this new venture and it sounds like it's doing really well Um, and Mm. so you know I I know for me um, you know specific examples I guess one that maybe comes to mind there is is a business I've held for a long time is is, is a small business called Laserbond and I remember the first time I ever spoke to, to them so those guys um, their, their core business, in going back to, 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 the, to that example I was just talking about, um, their core business is, is um, surface coating for heavy machinery. So you, they apply a, a um, microscopic coating to the surface of heavy, heavy machinery, which um, extends the wear life. Um, so their core business was a mining contractor will send them a, you know, a, a large drill to their factory in, in Western Sydney. They coat the drill, send it back. Um, and it's a it's a very good business. It earns you know decent returns on capital and all that. But I remember when I spoke to management at the time, um, they were really starting to ramp up what they call the product side of their business. And it's the same it's the same um, it's the same like idea. They're surface coating products, but rather than doing it for people sending it to them, they're doing it for the OEMs. So um, you know you have these original manufacturers. Um, surface coding these products before they go to the end customer. Um, and it's 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 higher margin, it was the potential for higher growth. And so chatting to the management team, y- you quickly understood that this was their big focus. Um, you know, the services business, it, it, it was established, they've got a good brand name, it's going to tick along and, and do well, but but this was you know the product segment as they as they termed it was going to be that next leg up. Um, and so I think it was their f y eighteen annual report and it was almost that exact situation i just just described it was a average report um but within that the products business accelerated massively and i think was doing something like thirty five percent um eBITDA margin uh, maybe that's mm. the top of my head um but it was you know i think services does twenty twenty five um and so it was that it was that sign well you know the market's looking at this average result which was, it was sort of dragged down by the, a weak half in the services division without noticing that this smaller segment it was really accelerating and 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 this was the segment that management was most excited by um so i remember originally buying shares around that sort of situation um and then interestingly enough i mean this probably feeds into another thing um you know, we were discussing off-air before about one of the things I always like to do is try and find um, a metric or something that I can track outside of reports and, and, and you know, presentations and things like that to mm-hmm. try and get a feel for how the business is performing. And, and, and with LaserBond, one of the things you could track was they were exporting a lot of these products to the US because one of the products was a... um it was a, a roller for, for steel mills, um, and so there's websites you can go on um, that track exports. And so, literally once a week, I would I actually just set up a, a calendar reminder. I think it's like on a Thursday morning or whatever. Um, jump onto these websites and see whether Laserbond had shipped a new order. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, you track it over time and, and it gives you some, some decent details, like even the free the free versions. You can see who the customer was, the, um, the weight of the order that was shipped um, and, you know, um, times and things like that. So I kept a little Excel spreadsheet and, and you could see these orders ramping up. Um, and then, you know, this was a, a couple of years ago um, and then, you know, Six months later, they report a, a bumper number. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, anyone following that sort of, that sort of research or, or metric, you can see it coming. Um, you know, I think the, the stock re-rated pretty heavily on, on the back of it, um, but it was there. You just had to understand what to look for. And, and so sometimes you'll, you'll stumble across that yourself, but, but, you know, don't be afraid. Ask management. I've done that as well. I'll, I'll, I'll say to management, like, you know, f- from my point of view, what should I be looking for? Um, you know, is there anything I can track? Is it there's some obvious ones if if it's a if it's a website-based business track, track their website traffic. It's easy to do. If it's an app, you can, you know, the uh, app Annie is a great resource. Um, for any businesses that deal with government tenders, the Australian government, tenders.gov.au, they they you know by law have to put up every single tender. So you can see when, you know, um, tech one or whoever is 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 winning it is winning a tender um so th- there's all little things you can you can track and it doesn't take long um that's the thing um and 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 some people are doing it but but you know 99% of people aren't and and, and so if you can be that 1% that's doing it um you know sometimes it it, it may not amount to anything but uh, when it does it's it, it it can be material because it can be information that that the market is really discounting or or not even paying attention to so um, it's certainly something I, I try to do with, with all of the stocks that I own, um, whether that's personal or in, or in the Oracle portfolio, just trying to find, you know, what's one metric, one piece of information that I can sort of track over time to get a feel for the health of the business. Um, you know, so, so, some other examples, I'll, 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 go, I'll go to, I'll come across the Oracle portfolio. Um, you know, we've owned Jumbo Interactive for many years and I think the market is well and truly cottoned on to this now. But go back a couple of years, I, I, I think it was quite misunderstood how much that business was driven by jackpots. Um, and so, you know, we were tracking the, the, the Powerball jackpots um, you know, years ago, and, and and you could see like if if they got a string of big jackpots, it was going to be a, a good result when that was released. Um, like I said, I think the markets well and truly understood that now. But but back then, when there was less broker coverage, um, I think you could you could really get an insight into Jumbo. Um, it, it can even be a great red flag indicator. We we owned Experience Co. in in the Oracle mm-hmm. portfolios, um, and that was a business. Um, you know, they do a bit of skydiving as their core business, but but um they'd actually expanded pretty heavily into um into tourism almost entirely up in cairns, um you know far north queensland um, area. and they put some guidance out in the market saying um, you know, some financial guidance, but the assumption to that guidance was was six percent you know, passenger growth or or 6% um, customer growth through their businesses. Um, And, you know, you can track passengers going into Cairns Airport just on the Cairns Airport website. Um, And, you know, this is obviously well, well before COVID or anything like that. It was just when, um, um, I don't know the timing for it exactly. Oh, maybe Cairns Mm -hmm. Airport was going through a renovation or something like that. But you could see the passengers were down 10 12%. Mm And so it didn't take a genius to realise. Well, if Cairns Airport is down ten or twelve percent, it's going to be very difficult for Experience Co to make up that ground and then whack an extra six percent on top. Um, and of course, they they miss pretty heavily. And, and I think that share price, you know, more than halved from fifty, sixty cents to to less than twenty. Um, but but yeah, yeah you add, it, add in leverage and it it doesn't end well. No, that's right. That's right. The balance sheet was obviously um, was was pretty heavily geared, so they they had to to do a, a pretty big restructure. Um, but yeah, look, it's just you know, it's it's just sitting down and like I said, sometimes you can just ask the management team. You know, what what can I track to um, you know to, to try and get a view on the business? Um, but other times, you know, just sit there and think. Um, you know, what is mm. the business? Is there any publicly available information? Um, the other ones as well. Um, seek. Know, I, I, I um, have some Seek searches saved for all of the businesses. Um, not so much the Oracle businesses because they're they're quite a deal larger. So you know um, yeah. those those businesses have Seek ads on the run constantly. But for the smaller personal businesses I own, like you know if they put on a new business development manager, that's <laughs> can often be a material decision to them. So um, it's it's interesting to track. You know um, if they do put on a new sales manager, where is it? Is it WA? Is it a region they're not in? Okay, that's interesting to me. Um, you know, um, if it's uh, a, a Did new you, new sorry, product sorry, measure or something. Can
0: I interrupt? Yeah, sorry. Did were you were you the analyst at that, that on the laser bond call about six to twelve months ago? Yeah yeah <laughs> okay, yeah that go. was me <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering i was thinking myself, who who asked that question yeah that's a, and that's when i learned what you i figured out what you were doing and i thought that's a really good way to get an edge yeah especially in small caps
1: yeah 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 so that that's yeah so that i think that was the example i had they they had some some ads up for um for, for sales jobs in wa and they've got no operations over there so to me straight yeah, right. away i go okay that's interesting like what comes of it i'm not sure but but clearly they're, they're looking at that market and understanding the business and you know a lot of their clients are mining construction WA's a, a you know it's a market that that mm. you know could be material to them so um yeah no i did ask that question um and yeah so that, that's that's another one tracking tracking seat jobs um, and, and and a really simple one is use LinkedIn. Um, you know, LinkedIn. I, I think has this stigma attached to it for some people who who view it as, you know, uh, I don't know what language on the podcast, but you know, wankers on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> you, you know, just just patting themselves on the back. There's the great Twitter account of people of LinkedIn or whatever it's called. I I, I love reading that every now and then. Um, but it's a great resource to track the executives of of these of these companies um and some are more active than others um but the ones who are active you know you can see that you can literally go onto their page and look at the activity and you can see you know who are they commenting on what are they sharing what are they liking um and again it, it it's all it's all incremental knowledge where one thing, of course, it's not material and you'd never make an investment decision around it, but it's when you piece it all together um, and and it may be one of these managers, um, you know, commenting on the post of a customer or something like that. You know, you never know what it might be, Um, Mm. but it's free. It's easy to do. It it takes, you know, like I said, I I set up alerts um, on my calendar. It takes me 20 minutes, half hour a week just to, Um, click through to all of the the, the directors or or MD, CEOs of of the companies um, and just have a look what have they done on LinkedIn the past week. Um, And and sometimes as well, if you want to go a bit deeper, if you, if you look into the, the company itself on LinkedIn, it, it generally has all the employees who have obviously set their, set their jobs to that company, um, you know, following maybe a sales manager or, a, or an operations officer. There's also value in that too because
0: mm. they're often
1: your frontline guys um, who, mm-hmm. who are doing that sort of stuff. I found
0: it I had to do that with RPM Global and the reason why is it's kind of on the edge of my circle of competence. But they also sell to to mining companies and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily in my network. So I I found I had to follow the the BDMs and the the tech guys that were working at RPM just to get that insight of who are they who are they selling to, who are they communicating with, how are they communicating it and you know, how are they growing this business online like that 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 channel for them. So that was a really interesting insight I got. And to be honest, I find it probably LinkedIn less valuable for like the consumer type products, but definitely, you know, for those um, those more corporate selling funnels, I think they're really valuable. One one thing um, that I kind of thought about as you're saying that is, you know, you probably get from, I was trying to think about quantitatively speaking, I was trying to think about how much value do I get um, from the, the publicly available stuff that goes into your brokerage account versus these scuttlebutts and these anecdotes and tidbits that you get from around the place. And it's probably that old 80-20 old rule. You probably get you know 80% of the meat from those periodic reports and what have you. And then the, if you really do the work, that last 20%, although you say it's, it is easy in some respect, you do have to be creative and you do just have to take the time mm-hmm. to set it up. And I'd say that that's where you get that edge. And when I was thinking about, you know, these these rapidly growing small companies, I feel like headcount is one of the most powerful signals because it actually, um, it reminds me of my own business where taking on a person is probably the biggest risk we have in the business. It's the biggest responsibility I have as a manager in a business. And if I was taking on people quickly, that would probably be a sign to the outside that, hey, you know what, things might be going okay inside.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, and like I, I agree as well with, with that 8020 um you know analogy or, or, or rule. I I think that's spot on. I think you do get the bulk of your information from the from the publicly available releases. Um although that being said, you you would be surprised at how many people don't actually read them. Like um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah I, like um especially come reporting season. It's, it's really easy to open up the investor presentation when the annual report with, with you know, 100 pages is sitting there beside it. It's, yep. it's the, the human um, intuition is just to go straight to the flashy, glossy, gloss, glossy prezzo, um, you know, that has all the numbers that management wants you to see. And to and to skip over the annual report. And look, there's some management teams who I give them credit. I think they don't shy away from the negatives of their business. And you can read the presentation and get just as good of a picture of the business as reading the report. Um, But there's others, and, and you don't know until you do the work. There's others where you need to read the report. You need to really dig into, you know, the numbers and the assumptions. And and to be honest, that that's probably um you know rewinding all the way back to the start of our conversation you know i, I didn't have that background in finance and commerce um mm. and so that's been a skill that i've really just had to learn over time of, of how to read a report and in particular how to read financial accounts um but you know same as as, as what you were alluding to before with scuttlebutt a lot of the times just ask people like it it goes back to that, that classic, you know, when you're in school and they say, there's no stupid questions. There's no stupid questions in this game. Like, you know, you, you don't make extra money because you, you didn't have to, you know, ask someone a question, (laughs) Um, you know, whatever, whatever your investment return is your investment return is. Um, So, you know, I, I, I vividly remember starting out. um, I was, I was DMing people, uh you know to ask questions a, about reports um i'll i'll give you an example like i remember the first time i came across um like like negative working capital businesses it was a it was a little business called um cryosite um it's still listed it's a cte i think that the ticker is mm. i never actually owned it but i was just looking at it um, and and so this was a business that um, they um, cryo stored um, stem cells so, you know, when, when you had a baby, you could elect to pay cryocyte to um, collect stem cells. Um, they would cryo store them for, for 21 years. Um, and I think the the main use case was, um, you know, if you did have any sort of, um, you know, genetic issues or, or problems, Um it was much easier to use the, the baby's own stem cells than, than external. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I might be butchering the science behind that, so, so forgive me if there's any anyone out there with much better knowledge of that than me. Um, but to go back to an accounting point of view, they got all the cash up front. So I would pay you know $20,000 um, to these guys up front, and they would then store it over the next 20 years. And so it was the first time I came across a business model like that of you know their cash receipts well outstripping the revenue and the profit they recorded um and it was it was confusing to me because i didn't really understand how that all worked until i read a post on on hot copper um from someone talking about that um and i i, I was sitting there for a while trying to get my head around you know the concept and what they were saying and in the end i, I said i'll just message this guy um so I, his name was Mars. Mars C. I actually don't know who is he on Twitter. He's on Twitter. I actually yeah. don't. I've never reached out to Mars. I don't know him personally. But but shout out to Mars. Um, <laughs> he so you know he he just sort of explained to me. You know maybe it wasn't a DM. But maybe it was just a reply on Hot Copper. But I was sort of just asking. You know, can you just go through that a bit more with me? And I remember early on, that's that's just what I was doing. I was you know um, getting like this hands-on um learning in, in how to read accounts and 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 not so much from the books or the, or the textbooks it was it was you know real company accounts and how it impacts them in the real world and how they manage you know their business um, given you've got this now massive backlog of, of liabilities to manage from the cash that comes in up front um, and you know that's just continually evolved and and, and you know to the point now where um, I'm pretty confident, like, you know, I, I, when I open an annual report, there's there's very little that escapes me now. But, um, you know, for anybody starting out, um, like, don't be afraid to ask those questions. I mean, ask me if you want to. I'll, I'll, I'll um, try and answer as best I can. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I've got now. Watch out. Now you have quite <laughs> a few people. <laughs> a yeah. Um, but I've got a good network of guys who... You know they're they're, the, they're accounting gurus, and so mm-hmm. um I, I had one the other week. I, I don't know if if you saw on Twitter, but I was trying to go through um levis's report um, for mm-hmm. the Oracle portfolios, and it was after the AASB sixteen changes to the leases.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um And I'm sitting there for two hours, you know, trying to get my head around. You know, I'm reading the notes and and reading the the numbers and and trying to get my head around why isn't this you know reconciling or whatever it may be and in the end i was like i'm just gonna tweet this out so <laughs> I, I shot out a tweet i was like um you know can anyone help me i'm trying to uh, first time i've looked at a retailer post aasb 16 um i'm, I'm really trying to reconcile the, the the lease accounting um and you know within 10 minutes three or four blokes had come back to me um and i had my answer half hour later and 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 now it all makes sense um so yeah never be afraid to look stupid um like i said you don't get extra points in this game for 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 looking smart Uh, i've learned that the hard way too so you know ask people um use use that information out there um it's it's you know one of the biggest pieces of advice is I, i hope people take from take from this conversation
0: i think and it's wonderful i think there's going to be a few major takeaways for me Luke. one is just Making sure you have that data point. We use that for not only companies in our portfolio, but companies that didn't make the cut to make sure that we made the right decision. We track them you know, after that decision is made. Another thing you know, would be that just open your mind and use these tools that are freely available to you. You mentioned Twitter. Um, some of the best investors I know are on Twitter and they do more there than they do anywhere else. Um, one question, just before we come to the end, I just want to ask you: when you talk, when we talk about small caps and small companies, um, do you tend to be quite concentrated with your own portfolios? I know Oracle's twenty to thirty. Do you do something similar? Um, no, I'm,
1: I'm I'm quite concentrated. Um, so you know, there's no fixed number, but it's usually between sort of five to maybe eight. Um, but even even within that, like the weightings, you know, the top two or three could be seventy or eighty percent of the portfolio. Um, and I think I, I I didn't start that way originally. Um, I think it's just evolved over time to where you know I just I build up the conviction in these stocks um, through all the all the stuff we've we've spoken about already, um, and. I'll often sit there and i'll I'll think to myself like you know i've I've built up this conviction i'm I'm you know there's always risks you know never never discount the risks obviously but but you know I think this is going to do really well um you know why am I sitting here with five percent of my money in it and, and 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 that's the sort of um reasoning I have the the caveat to that, and I've always been aware of this and it's um Sort of how I not rationalise it to myself, but 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 I'm only young. I I I I'm 33, mm-hmm. um, and so I know that I've got my working life ahead of me. That if I do make a big mistake, um, one, I want to learn from it, but two, it's it's not going to kill me, um, you know. And so I think that has to be you know you sort of have to acknowledge that as well, like like. Where are you in your personal life to to sort of run a concentrated portfolio? Because you know what often gets overlooked is is all of the great investors at one point or another went high conviction into either a great idea or um, mm-hmm. however they came across it, whether it be Buffett with Geico, um, you know, there's a handful of others, um, but but they stumble across a great idea. And to, to to really make that sort of life changing money, I guess um, you've got to have the conviction to back yourself. So now I, I do run more concentrated personally. Um, Oracle, and again, Oracle, it, it comes back to to managing to managing, um, to managing the, 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 the the circumstances. Most of our clients are retired. Um, you know, they use our emerging companies portfolio as. Um, a bit of extra growth from your, your typical Aussie large cap, but at the same time, you know these aren't clients that want to open up their account at the end of a month and see you know negative twenty. Um, so yeah. you know that's always the, the the factor there. But but I know for me personally, I can I can stomach that risk, um, and I have stomach that risk. I mean, you know March March for me personally was a fifty percent drawdown. Um, you know so oh, wow. yeah, and 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 you've just. And, and and to be honest, like I'll, 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 you know, without patting myself on the back too much, I was actually pretty impressed how I handled that psychologically. I was, you know, and I, and I think where that came from was I understood the businesses that I owned. Um, I actually consolidated my portfolio at that time. So I sold a couple of edge positions where I didn't have huge conviction. I was sort of just more, it looked interesting to me. And I really, I think I pulled back to just three stocks that I knew well, um, and and mm. you know obviously the, the market's recovered and, and I've recovered much quicker, but 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 yeah, I, I was actually quite impressed with psychologically how I handled that, um, and, mm. and and I think that, that can only come from understanding the businesses you're investing in, um, you know, taking a step away from the market as a financial. Um, you know, abstract and, and looking purely at, well, you know, what is a laser bond going to report next year, you know, in all these different COVID circumstances? Um, mm. That was sort of how I approached that at the time.
0: Mm. And it, it's a common trait that I find amongst really good investors, to be honest, that they actually concentrate more in a, in a downturn. Um, so you're not the first person that said that to me. Um, I think, you, yeah, obviously you only get that conviction through doing the hard work, as you say. Okay, Luke, we've, we're have we pushing on an hour and I'm hoping we can do this again, um, maybe in person next time. But one final question I like to ask all guests, as you know, is if you go back in time and tell yourself one thing about money, finance or investing, what would it be?
1: Um, so I've been thinking about this, like I said, I listen to your podcast and I know the, the final question. I think what I would go back is I'd say is trust yourself earlier, and 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 what I mean by that is I spent a lot of time early on, like years, two, three, mm. four years, um, always thinking that everyone else was significantly smarter than me, um, the market itself was smarter than me, and you know if I saw an opportunity that that looked obvious to me um, that I, I must, something must be wrong, you know, for me, for me to find an obvious opportunity that I'm missing something and, and not to say I left opportunities on the table. I, I, I did, you know, I, I, I did obviously buy stocks and, and, and do well early on, but I remember, you know, quite vividly a lot of times being sort of that, that paralysis of, you um, you know, why does this opportunity exist? I'm, I'm missing something. What am I missing? I've got to find it. And in the end, just not understanding that in small caps, sometimes you're just the only person looking at it or you're mm. the person looking at it from a fresh set of eyes. Um, and I still love those opportunities even today. Like I, I think I said to you in an email when we set this up, I mean, for me, still one of the greatest feelings I have is when I come across a report or or, 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 or an um, you know, a, a update or something like that and it looks interesting and when I go on to straw man hot copper or, or I search for the, the the ticker on Twitter, I don't see anyone talking about it. To me, it's still the, the, the best feeling I come across in this, in this game. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've slowly learnt that over time is that, um, you know, your initial reaction is that I'm wrong, I must be missing something when the most... Um, common answer is, no, you're just the only person looking at it, or you're the only person looking at it with a, a fresh set of eyes that, that's sort of understanding the the new opportunity that may be in front of you. So um, that, that's the advice I would give to myself. And and, and to be honest, I, that's probably advice that, that a lot of new people to the industry probably need to hear as well. Um, I'm sure mm. I'm not the only person who's sort of felt that way when you when you're just starting out. So, Um, you know, trust if if you're doing the work, trust it, you know, um, you'll often find it'll, it'll work out. I, I, that resonates
0: with me because yeah, I mean, my early part of my career was interviewing fund managers and I've been investing myself for a few years and uh, having spoken with them and interviewed them and seen how they model companies, I was like, you know what I'm doing this. And yeah. I, can, I, can, I can do this too. Like this is, this is something I was already doing. I thought there was some mystery wrapped around it, but that is fantastic advice. Trust yourself earlier. Luke Winchester, mate, it's been overdue, this conversation, but thanks for taking the time out to, just to share your wisdom with us.
1: Yeah, no worries. I really appreciate it, and, and yeah, hopefully I can do it again in a post-COVID world. And I can either get down to Melbourne or, or you know, feel free to come up here to Newcastle. I'm, I'm by myself up here. There's, there's, you know, if there's anyone listening from Newcastle, reach out.
0: <laughs> That's great, mate. I'm sure you have funny people reaching out after this. So yeah, and I'll, I will. I'll make the trip up. It's a good excuse to get up the coast. So again, mate, thanks for your time today. Awesome. Thanks, Alan.